Welcome to The Brave Place, where we journey into the lives of brave men and women who have beat the odds or who are in the trenches right now. Difference makers who have truly discovered the warrior that lives within and are living it out. This is the place that will inspire, encourage, enlighten, and challenge that brave person that lives deep down within all of us. Here we are back at The Brave Place. I'm your host, Christy Rodriguez. Thank you for once again joining us. I am so excited for you to meet my dear friend, Christine. She has one heck of a brave story, and that is why I have called her in to come chat with us today, because I know that it will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will make you rethink a few things in your life. And if it doesn't, at least you'll walk away with some more hope and faith. So I am so glad that you are here with us, Christine. I'm so pumped up that I get to hang out with you this morning. Oh, it's an honor to come out and hang out with you. You live some far out in the country, though, sister. (laughs) (laughs) I do. And so we can go to our secret places out here. That's right. I want to know about you, and I want everybody else to know about you. There's a verse in the Bible. It's Isaiah 61. It's one of my all-time favorites because I believe we are all called to do this. And there are few people that step up to this call the way you step up to it. And that is why I have you here. And I'm just going to read it out. It's Isaiah 61. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, Mm. to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I believe we are all called to do that, to go out and just be such a vessel that helps bind up the brokenhearted, just be Jesus to people and help them see the gospel and the freedom that Christ has for us. And your story is especially unique because you know about prison. Absolutely. You're one of these people that you've gone into the fire Mm -hmm. and you've walked out of the fire and then you've gone back into the fire with buckets of water for the people that are in the fire. (laughs) And so tell us a little bit about you and your story. I'm just going to let you go. Sometimes this verse says that we are called and we are definitely called to minister to others. We are saved Christians and we're called to go out and spread his love. Some of us are created in a different way. And God took the darkness and the debauchery that I lived through. Mm-hmm. And he allowed me to come out on the other side with his grace and mercy. Mm. And he created me for prison ministry. Mm. Um, I think sometimes when you've been in the fire, like you Mm -hmm. said, and you come out Mm -hmm. and other women see that you are not burnt alive, that you carry a fire and a passion for the Lord. That's what I know that I was created to do. Mm. So I just get to um, I spent two years in the Arkansas Department of Corrections came out on the other side. The last time I came out, I've been down twice. Mm-hmm. I didn't get it right the first time because I'm hard-headed. So when I came uh, <laughs> Me too. about eight years later, I went back in with a, just a technical parole violation and got to mm-hmm. stay another year and set under some amazing teaching in prison. Wow. So I'm just here to tell you that prison Jesus is real, mm-hmm. uh, but you have to bring him out. Mm. You have to bring him out the door with you. Mm-hmm. So um, God has uh, granted me with an opportunity to go back into the prison system and just give hope to those women that otherwise may not have hope on the other side. Mm-hmm. What I love about what you said, too, is a lot of times prisoners, they will find Jesus mm-hmm. in those walls. Yes. and But you got to take him out with you, too. Absolutely. And a lot of times they don't. And they end up back in prison. And so that's that's what's so awesome about your story, I think, because you found Jesus. Mm -hmm. You started putting into practice, you know, living for him. Right. And it has really transformed your life. And I want to talk about 
prior to prison. Okay. Just give me a little recap of what your life looked like before you went to prison. Then you encountered Jesus Mm -hmm. in prison. And then what your life looks like out of prison. So if we just start really early with my parents, they were both from West Virginia. They were brought up in an environment of old-time Pentecostal, and they were snake handlers. Oh, my Um, goodness. As little kids, it was their job in church to go grab the snakes and bring them to the people. So they not only lived in that fear of getting bit, but older. And when they had their own kids, they were so afraid of getting church bit that we never went to church. Matter of fact, we had a Bible in the house, but it was just to record death. That is fascinating. Insane. So we never went to church. So I didn't live a godly life at all. I lived full of darkness and debauchery. My mom was a raging alcoholic. She got sober when I was about 12, but she never became well because Mm. she never found the Lord. Mm. So in her sobriety, she was even worse Mm. because she didn't know what to do. She didn't have anything to medicate what she was dealing with. The reason she drank in the first place, now she doesn't have alcohol. Right. um, And she hasn't replaced it with anything. And Jesus. She didn't have Jesus. Yeah. So we just went through years of uh, kind of torment with her. As women, we either do two things. We run far away from that or we run to it. Years and years of drinking Mm -hmm. took me down some horrible paths. Mm -hmm. Um, men and bad mm-hmm. situations and uh, mm-hmm. just a darkness that I couldn't overcome. Mm. I know for me, because of my background as an alcoholic, and it's just like this switch, this light switch that right. comes on for my life. It's definitely best not to do that. But as a health teacher, I used to teach health and we often referred to alcohol as the gateway drug mm-hmm. because that's usually what happened. It would start with alcohol, but then that opened the gate to a lot of other stuff that would right. put me in this pit because then I would feel guilty about my choices. And 95 percent of my poor choices were under the influence. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And now you're living with this guilt and shame. And it's just this cycle that keeps going and going and going. And before you know it, you're in just the deepest pit you could ever imagine. So it's just like sin. You know, mm -hmm. we start with one little sin. Yeah. And then it just compounds because that sin doesn't give us a gratification, just like our flesh. Mm -hmm. So we just add another sin and another sin. And we end up in this hell Mm -hmm. here on earth Mm -hmm. that we never imagined our lives to be. Mm -hmm. And we're right Mm -hmm. in the middle of it. Yeah. And for those listening, we do want you to know that this podcast in particular, really is just showing off the fact that it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Amen. And no matter what you are in, if it's alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual addiction, any kind of form of addiction that's keeping you bound, food addiction, whatever it is, there truly is freedom. And you're going to witness that today as we listen more to Christine. So when I spoke to you prior, you told me there's this three month period of heavy drinking. Now, right. Tell me what even puts you into that space. Right. Um, so back in 2003, uh, when I initially went into prison, um, I spent a year there and then got just a little bit of a taste of God. I had a knowledge of him. I didn't have a relationship with him. But I how, just how did you get a taste of God in prison? In the McPherson unit, which is the maximum security prison here in Arkansas, they have a program called the PAL program. It's Principles and Applications for Life. And under that teaching, I got a base a guideline, kind of a foundation of the Lord. I knew who he was. I didn't have mm-hmm. that relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So I just had enough to go out and live a kind of a normal life for a few years. Mm-hmm. Then one circumstance got worse and I ended up drinking again. Mm -hmm. And that caused me to go back into a darkness like never before. Mm -hmm. Went back to prison, sat under the teaching of the PAL program again for a solid year. Knew I'd had it this time. Knew I knew who God was, was going to live his precepts. 
came out. My husband was gone. Everything that I had in my home was gone. My life that I knew it was gone, that I thought that I was going to be prepared to come out. So I immediately turned back to what I knew was comfortable, and that was alcohol. Mm-hmm. Even everything I'd been through. Mm-hmm. This was in October. Mm-hmm. And in July of uh, 2012, my sister passed away. And she was my rock. I just fell down into this alcoholic state because I knew I didn't want to be here anymore. Mm. My mom was gone. My dad had since passed away. Now my sister, my true best friend in the world, was gone. Mm. So I start out in July, bottles of alcohol, gallons of whiskey, boxes of wine. And every day I would drink till I passed out. And then I would wake up and I was so angry at God. Mm. that he would let me wake up. I knew he was out there. Wow. I prayed to him, but he always woke me back up. Mm. And I couldn't figure out why. And I was angry with him. Wow. That's incredible. Three months. Three months. Three solid months. So what brought you out Mm. of that? I have a dear friend who used to come and she would knock on my door. I couldn't work at this time. I was too busy drinking. She would knock on my door. She was always afraid to come in because she was afraid of what she would find. Mm -hmm. She may find that God had answered my prayers. Mm. But she kept knocking and knocking. And so one Sunday, she said, come on, get up. We're going to church. We were having a revival at Unity Covenant. And I walked in the door and I was angry that I was there. I was angry. Didn't, I didn't have any alcohol. Mm-hmm. And there was, a, uh, there was a pastor there. And he asked someone, he asked for everyone to come down if they needed healing. And my friend said, you need to go down and you need to get healed. And I was still not at the end of myself. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't need to be healed. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he said, can we just visit with you? Anybody that has an addiction out there. And I told her, I'm not addicted. I've got something going on here. I've got a, I've got I'm an not end addicted. I'm no. just drinking right now That's because right. of my, you know, yeah. my pain. That's Absolutely. it. But there's no addiction here. That's right. Yeah. Go ahead. So finally, he said, can we pray with you? And she said, seriously, you need to go down and get prayer. So I thought to appease her. I would go get prayer. And so I got on the altar and I told God, look, I know you hear me. And there are people that are watching me and they're watching me pray to you. And I need to know why you're not taking my life. And he spoke to me in an audible voice. Mm. And he said, I promise you, if you take another drink, you'll die. Wow. But you won't live with me in heaven. Wow. And at that moment, I knew I wasn't saved. So I got saved and I stood up. He saved me and delivered me on the same day. That was in October. And I started prison ministry in 2012, November. The next month. Wow. He's good. Wow. That is incredible. He's a good God. And so at that same church, is that where you started the prison ministry? The way the truth and the life had been going on for about, it's been going on for about 14 years. Melvin Palmer started it before I was even, even sober. Um, he started it with another church in Uniontown, uh, Uniontown Baptist. So they joined forces. They had a desire to see women uh, in prison freed by the love of Christ for several years, I came alongside them. They mentored me up. Last year, I got to take over the prison ministry for Unity Covenant. So, Wow. So you've been doing prison ministry for how long now? This is six years for me. It's incredible. Six years, yeah. Take me back to that day. Mm-hmm. You have this encounter with God. Right. You walk out of the church. What's going through your mind as you're walking out of that church? I could not believe that the desire wasn't there. Matter of fact, I hadn't even, I didn't even think about it. So I just dove in. I started following Jesus like I would uh, follow my next drink. Even wow. harder, I chased after him. Did you have friends prior to this or were you so secluded in, mm-hmm. in isolation mm-hmm. um, prior to the encounter? Was it more of an isolated life? Very isolated. Okay. For three months, I was just locked away. Okay. I just kept myself. I did, like I said, I had some folks that would come check on me, mm-hmm. but they didn't want anything to do with me. 
like the condition that I was in, they didn't want any responsibility for maybe what they would find. Yeah. So they would pray on the outside of my door, mm-hmm. slip a note in every now and again, and maybe maybe open the door to see if I was still alive. Wow. But no, no. So what was your daily life like after that? Mm-hmm. So you're not drinking any anymore. No. no. So you're getting into the word. Yes. Are you, are you getting a job? Are yes. you going back to? Yep. Okay. Back to work. I went to work at a rent to own place in Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. Worked there for about a year and a half while I got my foundation under me, and then I started working for. 4840 in Fayetteville. You're surrounding yourself with people who love Jesus. Absolutely. I know that's a big factor. Absolutely, yes. We tell the girls as they're, they have to be held up by a foundation of strong believers that they can reach out to. They have to have somebody they can call in the middle of the night if they need that. They have to have somebody that will answer the phone or answer the door when they feel like or if they ever feel like they need a hand up. Mm -hmm. And that's what we just try to do to the women now. If they call, if they need a ride, as long as it's legal, you know, Mm -hmm. we're still working with felons. So Mm -hmm. we have to be really weary of that. Mm -hmm. I know for me, whenever I was getting sober, there's a statistic that says the top five people you spend your most time with will mm. determine your future. Amen. Biggest keys for my sobriety um, was a particular woman. Her name was Jackie, and she was always speaking truth into my life. Mm-hmm. And I could call her anytime. And but one thing that I loved about Jackie, too, is I might call her and she would say, have you talked to God yet mm. about it? And I'd be like, no, I mean, I'm calling you <laughs> like I love that because she taught me not to be dependent on her, but right. to be dependent on God and to experience God. Mm. You know, I finally started giving God a chance in my life in that way. And before, I just don't think I ever really understood that he could really, truly speak to you. If you're listening right now and you don't think God sees you, I'm just here to tell you that's a lie. That's right. And the enemy is trying to take you out. He's trying to take all of us out. Do not believe that because God sees everything you do. He knows every hair on your head. I just want to reiterate the power of people coming alongside people who will point you to Jesus. Mm -hmm. I've been sober almost 12 years now. And one of the key things is the people in my life. That's right. So tell me about the prison ministry that you are doing. When I first started prison ministry, we were going to Pine Bluff once a month. So we would load up in a big van. We would head to Pine Bluff with about 15 or 20 of us. We would be there all day. We would minister in the morning. We would take a break and then come back and minister in the evening. For the entire first year that I went, I sat under the teaching of my dear friend Linda. And I was amazed at her poise because she could speak to these women and not cry. I couldn't. I got more healing from the Lord in that first year, Mm. just knowing that I was worthy and that these women were worthy as well. And some of their stories are horrendous Mm -hmm. if you hear them. Mm -hmm. And to watch the change from the minute they get saved, and you know when somebody gets saved, Mm -hmm. but the minute they get saved, and if you see them the next month, Mm -hmm. their growth. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a confined space like that, God has truly set you aside for a very specific time in your life, whether it's for salvation or whether it's for you to hear His voice clearly without the world resonating in your ears. So I believe that I had more growth that first year sitting under the Holy Spirit and watching Linda, my guide, as we moved forward in this. We would go and just love on the women. Sometimes we'd have 100 women. Sometimes we'd have 300. As a prisoner's point of view, you know, when you go in and and you're tough on the outside, but when you get in the inner courts with the Lord, sometimes that's inside prison. He has an opportunity to take those walls down himself and heal the things that needed to be healed. I didn't have food in my house, I had alcohol. Mm-hmm. So until I got to go behind the walls and get that freedom and that foundation, mm-hmm. that's where God really starts working on us. Mm-hmm. Really. 
I love that. And it it attests to the fact that it's so important that we do just get alone with the Lord and make time for those um, secret places Mm -hmm. to go to. And I think it's so powerful, too, when you are inside those walls as a prisoner, would it also be just the the humility factor, the humble Mm -hmm. factor? Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have to come to God with a contrite heart, a humble heart, and he hears our pleas. And a lot of times, you know, we we all battle pride. And in the real world, if somebody's watching you walk through life okay, we need to be humbled. And I believe that's our God's greatest source of power is humility. Mm-hmm. In my life it was anyway, mm-hmm. in the life of many women too. Can you think of any specific story of when you have been ministering to anyone in particular on the inside that just sticks with you? Absolutely. Um, We had a woman about a year ago here in Fayetteville at the Fayetteville unit, and she had come from a background so much like mine. And she had just been tormented her whole life so much like mine. And so when I got to sit down and just share with her. Proverbs 23, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has strife, who has need, who has complaints, who has needless bruises, bloodshot eyes, and to watch her face as the word revealed itself to her. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, she got it. She knew that she was no longer called to be an alcoholic or whatever designed her in the world, but she was called to such a greater calling and it was in black and white Mm. and the word started working on her. And when those tears of repentance fall, there's nothing like it, nothing like it. And you get to see that firsthand Mm -hmm. so much. And and I can't imagine um, just the healing, you know, for you either. You know, I know every time I tell my story, there's a new level of freedom. Right. In Revelation, it says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Some translations by the power of their testimony. And I know for me, anytime I share my story, there's this extra level of overcoming. You know, it just, it keeps, you just keep getting more and more and more in freedom all the time. There's this, this shame factor that just goes away. You know, I've talked to people who are like, there's no way I could tell my story. I could never share with people what I've done or what's happened to me. But what's, amazing is once you do that one time, mm-hmm. the second time is a little bit easier. Right. And then it just keeps getting better and better and better. And before you know it, people are being influenced and lit up with faith and hope and freedom right. just because of your story. And That's it's right. said right there in Revelation, they overcame by the blood of the lamb. We got to have Jesus. That's right. And the power of the testimony is right. designed for that. So even if whatever your story is, it is meant to be spoken mm-hmm. out because God has worked in your life. That's right. And that's what you're doing every mm-hmm. day in the prison. The more I tell my testimony, the less it gets about me and the more it gets about the Lord. And so that's the transformation that I see, because it used to be, you know, how horrible it was. But now it's like, this is how good God is. And this is where I was. And this is where he's brought me now. And when we start walking in that obedience to just step out in faith for one moment and say, man, I I know what you're going through. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of that, if you just surrender for a moment, he's got so much more for you on the other side. What's your dream situation right now? What do you see for the future for you and prison ministry and anything? Right now, my heart is to try to get back 
to where it started, and that's McPherson. It's really hard for an ex-felon to get back inside the walls of somewhere you've been before. You've been incarcerated before. So I put that toward the Lord, out toward him, and he's. Uh, I'm just waiting for his fleece. You know, I'm just waiting for the dew on his fleece to fall. Mm-hmm. And if God opens that door away, then I know that it's a God thing, and we haven't pushed the situation. And so I can take my whole team in and let them see what it's like in McPherson. It's maximum security. And I believe one day that I'll get to be with someone on death row. Mm. And just speak to them about the goodness of God. Because the word in Matthew 22 says that the king sent out his servants for the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And we have to tell people that no matter how bad you are, mm-hmm. God is going to make you good in an instant. He mm. can do that for you. So, Christine, I'm a sucker for romance, okay? And so I want to talk to you about your husband. Tell me about how you met your relationship. And there's something you guys do at two or three in the morning, which I want everyone to know about. And if you're listening, don't be thinking That's weird right. stuff. Okay. <laughs> All right. So tell me about your husband, how you met. Um, so at Unity Covenant Church, he was the drummer. Oh. And we're nude going there. And my girlfriend leans over to me and she said, I just tell you, I'm telling you that the Lord just told me that that's your husband. What? And I looked and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Because at that point, I didn't want a man in my life at all. Like I told the Lord, look, you just hang on to him or whoever it is, because I don't want any part of that. And she said, I'm serious, sis. That's the one. It ended up being the one. He. Uh, that is crazy. I know it's crazy. He had a motorcycle. And like after a year after she told me that, she's like, sis, you need to go ask him if he'll go riding with us. And I'm usually really brave. But at this point in my life, I wasn't. And she's like, if you don't go ask him, I'm going to ask him. And I knew that wouldn't turn out good for me. Oh, my goodness. So I had to go up and I'd said, you know, uh, hey, would you like to go riding with us Saturday? And he said, absolutely. And then I turned around. I realized I didn't really tell him that he had to take me. So I had to go back (laughs) down, you know, take the foot out of my mouth and go, "Um, you got to take me. And that's how we ended up together. So you started talking. Yeah. Awesome. Ridiculous. What's going on at three in the morning at your house, Christine? With your man. With my man. That's right. Because we are happily (laughs) married. Um, We get it up at an ungodly hour. It's just nuts. I get up sometimes at two. And if I sleep in, it's about three o'clock. But that's when I get a study time with the Lord. I get from about two to three. And then my husband will get up and we study together for 30 or 45 minutes before we even start our day. So that's how we commune with the Lord. And that's really brought a closeness to our relationship. We're newlyweds. We're just four years in. So this is how we started. And and prayerfully, that's how we'll finish. But don't call me at eight o'clock because I'm not cohesive or nothing. That like is, 8 p.m. Yeah, 8 p.m. Don't call me because I'm in the bed probably. <laughs> I usually come alive. Like I'm not kidding you like at 8 or 9 p.m. Uh, no, no. <laughs> That's like whenever I wake up, which is ridiculous. But what would you say getting up at two or three in the morning? I, I don't know many people that do that. I'm not saying anyone who's listening, I'm not saying that you are not a good Christian. <laughs> if you don't get up at two or three in the morning and get in the word, that's just amazes me mm-hmm. um, that you do that. How has that impacted your relationship together as a couple and and just your day for the Lord? Mm-hmm. I mean, when I get up so early, I just get to ask him, I just need you to set me aside for whatever you need me to do today. Mm-hmm. And if he reveals anything that I need to do, then then I know that it's clearly his voice, because I promise you there's nobody else up at two or three in the morning talking to me. So if I hear it at that time in the morning, I know it's directly from him. And there's no doubt in my mind for my husband and I, unless we study the word together, we don't know because I don't know his whole heart and his whole mind. Unless we study the word together, we don't know where we stand 
as a foundational family. Mm. So it really helps our ministry because he's in the prison ministry with me. Okay. Uh, and although I'm the team lead for our prison ministry, I am under his authority. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. I have something that I have a question about, that's my opportunity to say, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. And is mm-hmm. this is this correct? So does he go in with you? Mm-hmm. He does. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. So you are ministering together. Now, is, was he in prison as well? It was many years ago, 27 years ago. Okay. He did about two and a half years. Two ex-prisoners mm-hmm. in love with Jesus. Absolutely. Find each other, get married, yep. and now are ministering to those inside the walls. He's a good God. He's faithful. I just really appreciate you being here. I, I love you. You're a dear sister in Christ. I just really respect and admire what you're doing. Just for the listeners, what is the name of your ministry in the prison? It's the Way, the Truth, and the Life Prison Ministry. We're out of Unity Covenant Church in West Fork, Arkansas, and out of Uniontown Baptist Church in Uniontown, Arkansas. Christine Coleman, thank you again. And thank you to everyone involved in making this prison ministry possible, either financially or by volunteering. I have had the pleasure of meeting several of the wonderful people who come alongside Christine and her husband, and they truly do have such a servant-hearted mindset. And it's just inspiring to be around. I'm really grateful for what they're doing. Before we go, I'd like to leave you with a quick clip from our next podcast with marriage and family therapist Brad Franklin, founder of Fresh. Fresh Roots Family Counseling. We're going to explore the ins and outs of relationships and learn about the distancer and the pursuer in a relationship. Which one are you? And after this clip, I want to share a final brave word and challenge with you. So don't go away just yet. Here's Brad Franklin getting real about relationships. I'm bossy. I'm always bringing up problems and I'm always just beating a dead horse over things. Okay. I don't recognize that guy. I'm a nice guy. I love her. But she's going to say, that's what it feels like to be married to me some days. It's not that pursuers enjoy conflict. We enjoy the results of conflict, right? Mm, that's we, a good point. We like the fact of, I'm going to lean in. We're going to get this resolved. And then we can get on the business today of being happy and enjoying each other. But when we've got this thing between us that we're not talking about yet, it feels very unsafe to a pursuer. Be sure and join us next time. Very informative and helpful information from Brad Franklin. And now for the final brave word and challenge. We've heard from Christine today and what a remarkable work God has done in her life. And I don't know if you are in a pit, if you're really struggling right now, but if you are, I want you to know that God sees you. He wants to be that freedom and that joy and that hope and that redeemer in your life and that healer. One thing I know, if any healing is to occur in my own life, I have to surrender. And it doesn't work when I just surrender certain parts of me that I'm willing to give up because that's not really true surrender. I'm talking about surrendering all. The first thing that pops in my head is that old song, I Surrender All, going way back. That may be an old song, but it certainly applies to us today. One of the hardest things to do is to surrender all. I know every one of us has something we struggle to give up. Maybe it's a bad habit, an addiction, an unhealthy relationship that we know is doing us more harm than good. Maybe it's a secret that is eating away at you or pride, resentment, unforgiveness, or a disappointment in someone else or your circumstances. Whatever it is, God is asking you to surrender it all to him. One of the lines in that song is, in his presence daily live. It's not an every once in a while choice we make. It's a daily active choice of surrendering our will for his. 
That's how we can experience his presence. And it's in his presence that we find the peace, wisdom, the courage, and the strength to face anything of this world, including ourselves. So whatever you're going through, that's my challenge for you today. Drop to your knees and say, Lord, I surrender all. Have your way. Show me what I'm not letting go of, what I'm not wanting to give up or what I'm afraid to trust you with and give me the courage to live out a daily surrendered life today so that I can experience your presence in the midst of my circumstances. In Jesus name. Amen. One thing that is certain is that as we surrender daily, not only will we have that peace, that wisdom and strength and courage I mentioned earlier, but God will continue to mold us and shape us into who we were always created to be in the first place, the salt of the earth, a light in the dark places of this world. I want to leave you with the two of my favorite verses that speak to that. Isaiah 64, 8 and Matthew 5, 16. And Isaiah says, oh, Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. And all of us are the work of your hand. And then in Matthew, Lord, I pray that your light shines through us and before others, that they may see our good deeds and glorify you, our Father in heaven. Thank you for spending your time with us today at The Brave Place. If you have any feedback from these podcasts or a brave story you'd like to share, please feel free to email me at christy at thebraveplace.org. That's spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-Y at thebraveplace.org. And until next time, have a brave day. Thanks for listening to The Brave Place, part of the KLRC Podcast Network.